0: Hi, I'm Lydia Wietzma with Revelation Real Estate, and in today's Solving Life's Next Chapter, we have Adam Buck, who's with Radix Law Firm. Thanks, Adam, for coming. You're welcome. Um, Today, we're going to really be talking about some of the... family issue, legal issues that come up with families with probate, trust, those types of things. And I just want to let our audience know that this is not any legal advice. This is just for discussion. And, Thank you um, for doing that. <laughs> I always like to put that little legal ca- disclaimer. caveat in with my, with my attorneys and my medical folks. Um, but um, what I like about you, Adam, is you are a wealth of knowledge with both Real estate and probate and guardianships and kind of everything that goes along with that. And um, in fact, I've used you for my own personal properties, so I trust you highly. So, so let's dive into basically uh, some probate and or trust uh, type situations. So, kind of give us the idea of what is probate versus trust administration.
1: Well, the term probate uh, comes into play when you have a will.
0: Okay. Um,
1: trust administration is when you have a trust. And I know a lot of people out there know the difference or at least know the terms, right. trust and will, uh, but you don't probate a trust, Okay. for example. So that's the one of the advantages is that when you have a trust, you just skip the court altogether. Right. And the trustee can step in and just start handling things um, right. when the, the person passes away.
0: Okay. And then with a, a will, that can still go through probate, correct?
1: Yes. So if, if you have a will and you don't have a trust, right. then somebody needs to be appointed as the personal representative. Right. So typically that's named in the will, but just because you're named in the will doesn't make it so. It's not okay. like the trust. When you name the trustee, it just makes it that way Possible. because it's a, it's, a, it's a contract, essentially. Right, right. But the trust, I mean, the will then needs to be probated. You need to go into court and get the judge to put his or her stamp of approval on the fact that you are the personal representative. And until you get that, you're not anything.
0: Technically, you can't. (laughs) And that's, I have one situation. I actually have a guardianship right now, which is kind of like a probate while the person is alive. So the husband is in assisted living. The wife ended up having to go through, um, into a, uh, memory care and we ended up, we were able to list the house with just the husband's signature, Mm -hmm. but technically we can't close on the house until we, till the probate court has deemed, um, someone who's ever going to take over her side of things into, um, make that decision so that they can sign off on the sale of it. So that's kind of what we're going through right now. And I think a lot of people don't realize when someone passes, family members think that they can just sell the house right away and sign a listing agreement with a real estate agent like myself. But you can't unless you are the one that is basically in charge of that. So
1: or if you have a trust
0: or if you have a trust that you're named in.
1: So like I said, you don't have to go to court if you have a trust. Right. So you could then sign the listing agreement as the trustee of the trust, right? But you sign as the trustee, right? And you already have that authority and that power to do that, right? Right. And then you just handle use the trust documents in the real estate transaction, right? And everybody recognizes you as the as the one in the charge. One in charge. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. So we what we really wanted to talk about was when someone passes away, um, you kind of have a good ten things to get started. When someone passes, people don't even know where to start. And people are kind of confused and and they just kind of, they just don't know what to do and where to start. So you have kind of 10 ways of going through what things are the most important when someone has passed. One of your first ones is notifying close friends and family.
1: Yeah, and before we get into the 10, let me just say you know, there's a lot of things you have to do when somebody passes away, you know, and I don't want to come across as heartless because I know there's a lot of emotion, there's a lot of grieving that goes on. And so, you know, I'm assuming that's all happening outside of this. So my list doesn't really involve the grieving process. Right,
0: Um, right, exactly.
1: So there, unfortunately, there are some more business-oriented things that have to be done when somebody passes away, and those are the things that that we're going to talk about. Right. And usually... You know, there's one person in the family that might be best suited to handle more business type right. things. And some people who are not capable of it because their grief is so, so great.
0: I'm glad you said that because that definitely is true. I see that a lot because a lot of people making some of these decisions while you're grieving can mm-hmm. be very um might not be the best time to make some of those decisions
1: right so and so somebody before they pass away might name that person Mm -hmm. you know in a will or a trust they might think well who do i think is the best person that could do this right in the event of my passing and and usually they know right and they can appoint somebody so that's helpful but sometimes people die and they don't Have a will, they don't have a trust, right? And so somebody's got to step forward and do it. So those are the things we're going to talk about. Okay, if you're in that situation, okay. Uh, The first one, notify close uh, family and friends. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know this is a tough part. It usually happens by phone calls um, to just a few close individuals, and then the word kind
0: of spreads. Yeah, so they
1: don't they don't you know blanket. The, the entire community. It's right. usually just a few close people. Right. Uh, but that is an important thing to do. It's tough, and sometimes you forget that there are other people out there who right. should know um, about Absolutely.
0: the death. Absolutely.
1: Um, the second one, uh, take care of minor children and pets. Now, the children, obviously, that, that's never overlooked. If, it, if you're in a situation where two parents pass away or a single parent passes away and they have right. minor children, usually that's the first thought that everybody has is how do we help? Take how care? do we, right. but pets sometimes get overlooked. Mm. Um, so that's good
0: to, I never actually really thought about that.
1: Yeah. Everybody's so busy thinking about, uh, you know, the, the funeral and making arrangements for other things. They're so consumed by all of this. They forget right. that there's uh, a dog or a cat or a right. fish or a hamster, or, you know, yeah. whatever the, the people had that needs to be taken care of right, um, right. In, in short order.
0: Okay. And number three, you have a secure home and property. This is really, I think, important because I don't think people realize that you need to secure the home. So give us some information on that.
1: Yeah, so a lot of people forget to lock the home and to just make sure it's secure. And oddly enough, there are a lot of robberies that happen during funerals. Because it's, it's published and they know on this date at this time, the entire family is going to be gone and it's an easy target.
0: Yeah. They I never know. actually really thought about that. Yeah. But that does make sense.
1: So a lot of times you have a neighbor or somebody who may not go to the funeral. Right. Uh, but just with the assignment to be there and just make sure that everything's okay right. with the home.
0: That's actually great. And also I would think to have the personal property until everybody knows who's getting what and where it's all going right just the security of the personal property needs to be taken care of as well I would think that would be a big one
1: yeah and I have seen situations where family members before everything is organized go in and start grabbing things I
0: unfortunately <laughs> as a probate real estate specialist I have seen that as well so so Sorry. it is it is important to 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 make sure that the personal property is. Um, Secure until you know who's going to get what.
1: Right. Another important point is to make sure it stays insured. Um, Because sometimes insurance doesn't get paid. Yes. And then you have a home that's not insured. If you have a fire, you have nothing. That's
0: actually a big, that's really important.
1: Insurance should not lapse on vehicles, on anything of significant value. Okay. You should keep the insurance on it.
0: That's actually a great, that's a great point. Um, And then what about contact the employer? You're talking contact the employer of the deceased if it it was at home when they passed away. And if they
1: were working, if it was a time of life where they had a job and were working, um, just to let them know what Mm -hmm. had happened and and coordinate the the last paycheck. There's probably some Mm -hmm. uh, wages that are due. Okay. Uh, And sometimes there's a life insurance policy they have through work. Yeah, and you can, I just had a client recently uh, follow up with the employer and was notified that there were in fact two different policies that she had no idea about. Interesting.
0: Okay. And I, so, I never thought about that either, but that's a great point.
1: Yeah. So contact the employer okay. for a variety of reasons.
0: Right. Right. And then um, obtaining death certificates, this is probably a big one for me as well because um, a lot of times, so you have to, you have to actually um, take a, a death certificate, a certified death certificate, and don't you have to record it? Is that not one of the, um, one of the things that whoever's in charge of the trust or who's taking care of these items, isn't that one thing that they have to do?
1: It depends on what you're using it for. Okay. The, but the primary thing is, You need death certificates for a lot of different reasons. Okay. And so I always tell my clients, get a lot of them. Okay. Don't don't be skimpy with them. Don't get one. Right. Or two. Right. Because you're going to end up going back for more, and then that adds delay. Right. So, you know, get 10. Okay. You know, just to to have. Um, For situations like you're talking about, if, if you do need to record it to show that the person is deceased in a you know, joint tenancy with rights of survivorship mm-hmm. situation, Okay. then you might need it for that. But then the, the probate court might need it. And then the right. bank might need it. And there's all these people that won't even talk to you unless, unless they see the death certificate. It.
0: Yeah, and it's got to be a certified one. It can't be a copy of a certified one. I do right. know that. Now, some of sometimes they'll give them back to you if they don't need them, mm-hmm. but they need that definite certification just to make sure that it's a legal document. And and like I said, a lot of times they won't take those copies of them. Right. Yeah. And I know that when I do a lot of probate properties, um, titles sometimes will require one of the certified copies to record during the title while they're going through the title and and cl- the close of the property. Yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. So you just need a
1: lot of them. So just know if you're in charge of the estate, just have plenty of them for okay. a variety of reasons. Okay,
0: that's good to know. And then um, obviously arranging and paying for funeral um, arrangements. So give us give us some mm-hmm. examples of that.
1: <laughs> well, the planning there's two parts: you know, okay. the planning of it, right. and then the paying for it, right. Uh you know the planning of it you typically is done with the family they contact the mortuary um and some people you know have to prepare an obituary you know right. these are the sorts of planning things that are done but really uh how to pay for it that's okay. that's frequently a question that comes up sometimes people have prepaid okay. funeral plans yeah and so it's all taken care of so it'd be nice to know that right <laughs> if you were in charge right. had they already prepaid
0: how would someone know if they've already prepaid? Would that be through the funeral services um, or the the mortuary? Or is there a document that they could look up? How how would that, is that something that's possible?
1: Well, and this is what we try to reiterate to our clients. Please communicate with your family. Yes. To know what you have and what you don't have, it'll make their job a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if, if, Nobody has told you there's a prepaid plan. You could go through their file cabinet, okay. you might see something.
0: Isn't it like more of a like an insurance policy too? So mm. you could maybe look it up through the insurance. Is there some sort of insurance way that you I'm could look I'm not aware it up? of any okay. way to
1: look it up. Okay. You just have to know uh, Whether they who they were working with and there's probably paperwork in their personal somewhere. files. Yeah. Okay. So, another way I've seen people do it is they have a bank account. Okay. Uh, with enough money to cover the funeral, and okay. then they'll have a joint account with one of the younger children or, or somebody else okay. who might step into that role, gotcha. so that person has immediate access to those funds.
0: Right, right. And I know working with a lot of funeral um, f- funeral homes myself, it's cheaper to pre-plan than it is to post-plan. So, yes. um, the family, this is one big thing for me, is pre-planning your funeral arrangements for a variety of reasons. You get to pick, you can go down to even picking the music or the scripture or down to whatever people are going to say at your funeral, poems or whatever. Right. And if you don't have those arrangements pre-planned, I know a lot of times the um, um, it's more expensive first off to... To pay for that after the fact. And that's one of the biggest things. When I do seminars and things like that, I mm-hmm. try to talk to a lot of people about that. Because a lot of seniors will say, Oh, I'm okay with my family making that decision. But they right. don't realize that, first off, they're grieving. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it's going to be more expensive. And a lot of times they're trying to think while they're grieving, What would mom want? What would dad right. want? And they, I mean, you know, that's one of those decisions where, like you said in the beginning, grieving is really hard to do while you're doing some of these items and for me I'd say with all of the folks that I've worked with probably the funeral arrangements are probably the hardest ones to go through while they're grieving right wouldn't you say that yeah yeah
1: I I mean that's the, the the truth with all estate planning is you're just taking the decisions and making them yourself instead of right. pushing them off onto relatives. Right. And it's really hard. I mean, it's right. you should really just do it yourself. Yes, so exactly. So that save them. I mean, they'll carry out the plans. Right. But it's a whole lot easier on everybody else yeah. if you just plan ahead yep. and then make the decisions right now. Yep. And then they'll just execute and take care of what and you wanted. Then,
0: and then you still have control over what happens during your funeral. So right.
1: <laughs> so, so <laughs> if you're
0: a control freak, that's a good thing. <laughs> um, so uh, the other thing is notify Social Security. That's probably a big one, too. So tell us about that.
1: So Social Security, if you're getting benefits, um, you know, you need to call them immediately and stop the benefits. OK, because after someone's died, if they find out and they've paid months and months, all that money needs to go back so oh. we have situations where people don't know that and they start yeah. spending the money and thinking hey this is great and then yeah. all of a sudden it's like oh no you owe that 10 <laughs> you owe back. that back yes. and like, oh, i didn't realize that
0: <laughs> and so you I, better just
1: you know cut it off call them and say no yeah. hey, they passed away and, and they'll stop that right but the other idea is to talk to them about any death benefits or survivor benefits mm. that they might have through social security
0: that's a great that's a great point because a lot of times, well, if, if the husband passes away first, which typically mm-hmm. there's a higher percentage that the man, the husband's going to pass away before the wife, mm-hmm. usually the husband has a higher social security payment than the female because they either didn't work or they work part time, they stayed home with the kids. So those... Spouses can get that higher Social Security once their husband has passed, right?
1: Right. So okay. that's why we say reach out to Social Security and talk to a claims representative okay. and just find out what the options are. And, and sometimes there's overlooked money that people could right. have. They right. just didn't communicate or, or ask the right questions.
0: Right. That's good. To that's a good point. And then um, obviously deactivate any social media accounts. Um, Give us some. Yeah, this
1: one's overlooked quite a bit. Yeah. But we have seen news stories about um, people that have passed away, their accounts have been hacked. Oh. And, you know, terrible things have been posted on their social media accounts, which is very disturbing to a lot of people that love them (laughs) and that were connected with them.
0: Right. And I never actually would have thought about that. I mean, that would have been one that I never would have even considered.
1: Right. And it, it could be fine. The fact is, until it's deactivated, people can log in, make changes, post things, yeah. take things down. And you might not want that. Yeah. You might that, want to just close it down. Yep. And there are some that you can put a memorial page up and that's locked so that nobody okay. can make any changes, nobody okay. can hack it. And then it just stays there. Right. Okay. But it's just... You know, eliminate that risk of anybody right. hacking the social media and creating right. some yeah. That, that's great,
0: great information. So then, what about searching for personal files, for wills and trusts like that? Now, I have over the years, being a probate, um, a, a real estate agent myself, I have had situations where people know there's a trust, but they don't know right. where the trust is. So
1: <laughs> I'm that is sure, very I'm common. Sure you have
0: dealt with a lot of that. You know, so. it's
1: funny. I'm on this. Uh, email list with all the probate attorneys in the state. Uh And every week there's an email that says, hey, I'm looking for the will of this person. This is their age. This is their birth date. Anybody know of a will? Did your firm prepare it? Because people don't communicate. Right. So
0: what happens if they can't find it? Um, Is there, I mean, obviously there's issues with that. But what are some of the issues that could come up with that?
1: So if if you can't find it, it doesn't exist. You know, I mean, unfortunately, that's why I tell my clients, once we go to all the work to prepare the will or the trust, you need to put it in a safe place and let people know where it is. Where it's at. Yes. Or at least, you know, something we've done is we get permission from them to send a letter out to certain people, uh, certain of their relatives to say, hey, just to let you know, we've prepared the estate plan for this person, you know, in case anything happens, you know. Contact our law Where firm. Where
0: to go? That's actually a great idea. Do a lot of attorneys do that? Do a lot of the?
1: I don't know. We've just started to do it because it is so common that people go to all the effort to create an estate plan and, and then nobody find can it. find it. Yeah. And they and and the the kids are. I, I know there's it's here somewhere, but they can't find it. Yeah. And then the the assets will have to be distributed in a different way that maybe they didn't want. Yeah. So. And
0: isn't there some tax? benefits to finding the trust as well because depending on the estate um, wouldn't there be some i mean that's another reason to have a trust is to make sure that you don't have to pay out certain taxes correct is that or am i
1: yeah i mean there's a lot of benefits to having a trust and we could probably do a whole other (laughs) podcast series on on, that (laughs) on the the advantages of a trust over a will but yeah i mean there's the tax benefits there's cost savings you know, people say, well, it's more expensive to, to set up a trust than a will. And I tell my clients, well, you're going to pay the amount up front with a trust or on the back end. You'll probably pay two or three times with in probate. probate. Yep. So all it. you're doing <laughs> is prepaying and right. helping your family out. Right. To streamline this whole thing. Right.
0: And then they can make their decisions on who gets what, and it gives them that still that control as to what they want to do. So,
1: right? Um, so we tell people when when somebody passes away, go through all of their personal items. Okay, I mean, you need okay. to go through if there's a file cabinet. Typically, you can tell where maybe sensitive, confidential information. Sometimes there's a safe. Sometimes right. there could be a safe deposit box at a bank. Yes, you know? and I have
0: been told so. T- Correct me if I'm wrong, but on the safety deposit boxes, um, those can be frozen just like the bank accounts until proper documentation is given to the bank, whether that's um, document from the probate court, document from the attorney saying that this person does have the rights to look through that. Is that not correct?
1: Right. Right. Yeah, so that's another asset. You don't know what's in there, but it's an asset of the estate. Right. And so when you're appointed, then you have the authority to go to the bank and provide them the paperwork.
0: So don't and, put your trust in, in that, correct? <laughs> <laughs> is
1: that, is that, <laughs> that shouldn't be the only place
0: okay. you put it. But yeah, it
1: needs to be accessible. People okay. need to know about it. And, you know, there's sort of a conflict because sometimes people don't want their, their children maybe to know right. the details of, of the trust. Uh, So I understand that you might want to keep it sensitive, but, you know, don't make it so sensitive that nobody and secretive that nobody can find it.
0: Right. And I do know over the years, I've seen even myself that same thing. The parents don't want for whatever reason, the children to know specific of what's in it so they can sometimes they'll have either an attorney be kind of the person in charge of it or even someone at the bank um, that will kind of monitor right. everything. Is that kind of common, too, with some of your situations that you've yeah, seen? Yeah,
1: sometimes they appoint a bank or someone like that as the trustee because they don't want to get the family involved in okay. fights. So okay. that's another option.
0: So it's like a third party that just basically maintains all the paperwork, distributes takes care of everything within the, within the trust.
1: Right. And you pay, they're a professional trustee and some people would prefer that. And some people would rather just have one of their children handle that. Yeah. Um, but along those lines, a big mistake I've seen people do, I think it's a mistake, um, is let's say they have three kids and they, they feel like they're playing favorites. So they appoint all three of them (laughs) <laughs> As the per, co personal representatives, yes, or co trustees,
0: and I have heard that from other attorneys, and that is not a good thing, right? And one
1: of them <laughs> lives in Florida, and one is in Wisconsin, and one is in Arizona, right? And so, to do anything, you need signatures from, from, everybody. from everybody, and you're, you know, it, it seems unnecessarily complicated when right. you have one that's in Arizona. Right. Now, the the person in Arizona might not be your your first choice, but. Right. My point is, it's not really geographic; right. it's it's more of who you want. But there, I don't see a huge benefit to having multiple right personal representatives or or co trustees. Right,
0: I've heard that also from because um, part of your trust with Arizona, we have the um, mental illness document within that trust, so that if someone does. Um, have a diagnosis like Alzheimer's or dementia of some kind, someone can kind of take over that trust and take right. over the funds to get that person into a memory care or behavioral health clinic of some kind. And I have been told, and I see, I hear this more on the guardianship side when we're trying to set up guardianships, not to have a double uh, a co-guardianship for the same reason. Because right. now you're you and one other person are making a decision on where does this, which memory care does this person go to? If mm-hmm. the memory care has to have something signed, they've got to have it signed by both of them. And it's not If they always, can't agree. If, they then can't agree. What you, what if one's out of state, like you said, then they got to get documents signed by. And, and sometimes those, sometimes time is of the essence, depending on what the situation is, um, especially in a guardianship where they're maybe going through a. Um, maybe a medical crisis, and they got to wait for a second person to either fly in or, or sign documents for a medical person to come in and do whatever needs to be done, or they have to send them to a specific behavioral health clinic, and they can only get one signature, but they got to get the other signature. So that's why I've been told by a lot of, not even attorneys, but the folks that actually work in the assisted living and the memory care communities to just have one, because they see it on the back end where they have to get the documents signed by everybody. And they're the ones that complain probably the most because they see that issue.
1: Right. So, well, And what I tell my clients is it's not really you know, you wanna be a beneficiary of a trust. Right. Not the trustee. Okay. <laughs> the trustee does all the work right. and the beneficiaries get all the money. Right. So you want to be part of the beneficiaries for sure. Right. But the trustee it's kind of a thankless job and involves right. a lot of work and And you have to be an
0: organized person. Right. You have to make sure and it's a big responsibility that people don't realize, right?
1: Yeah. It so. is. And and so when when parents are setting up their trust and they think oh i just don't want to favor one over the other it's right. like believe me i hear that a lot you're <laughs> not favoring any, you're punishing them all my equally because
0: <laughs> <laughs> i am the trustee i am the person in charge and and i did hear that from from them so i i totally and i have three children of my own so i totally understand right. so
1: and maybe helping the children understand that it's you know you're not playing favorites it's right. just one but they're all Assuming that they're all beneficiaries of the trust, right. they'll all get their share, right. just like everybody else. Right.
0: It just takes it's a lot of responsibility. I know going through my parents over the years, having to get theirs all put together and meeting with attorneys and meeting with right. you know with them on making those decisions. It really is. It's not something to take lightly if you're going to be that person that's going to facilitate all the paperwork get all the things, not that the other family members can't help, but mm. it's it really is that person's responsibility to, to make sure it's done correctly, right? And it's
1: a liability, yeah. it's a legal liability. You're taking on uh, a liability because your job is to figure out who all the creditors are okay. and make sure they're all paid. Right. So if you, and then and get all the assets and make sure that you, so now you have all the assets, right. you have a list of the creditors and you're supposed to pay the creditors and then whatever's left over, Gets distributed. gets distributed. But if you if you distribute if you don't get all the creditors right. and you distribute all the money, yes. Now all of a sudden you get a claim that says, "Hey, we're owed $10,000." You say, "Well, we just distributed everything." They say, "Okay, well then you're personally responsible, responsible. for I have the had situations like that too
0: <laughs> with clients <laughs> where they um I had one client who distributed everything before they got their taxes done cuz oh, you have to do yes. that final tax Final preparer tax. and um they did distribute everything and they were responsible for the taxes and yeah. and they were not they went back to the family members to try to get their fair share but they weren't willing to do it and it caused right. a lot of grief between the the siblings yeah because so. if
1: people aren't planning on that and they've already spent it and now you're right. saying oh i need you know ten thousand dollars back from you that might not go over right. well. right exactly But you've got the personal responsibility so yeah. that's what i'm saying to be the trustee, it's it's really all risk. Right. And work. Right. So.
0: That's the same way if it's a pro. So we've been talking more with people with trust. But it's right. kind of the same way with the probate side of things, too. If you end up being the one appointed to maintain the probate side of things.
1: Right. Yes. Yeah, your job's the same, whether you're a, a trustee or a personal representative. Okay. Um, it's just that. Before you can be a personal representative in court, they make you take an online class.
0: Oh, okay. And, I did not know that. And you
1: have to show a certificate that you finished it. Okay. And the online class talks about everything we're talking about here. Okay. The risk, this is your job, this is what you need to do. Right. Don't do it wrong or you'll get sued. You right. know, they really try to train them. Right. And then you have to prove to the court that you did that. Right. Whereas a, with a trust, there's no requirement and Right. But as attorneys, we help people through that. Right. So that's why they hire an attorney, even though we don't have to go to court. Right. We still help them with the trust administration just to protect themselves.
0: Yeah. And that's actually a smart idea because there is a lot that goes into these things. And and depending on the bigger the estate, the more complicated and the more probably more creditors or more assets that are there that need to be um, dealt with correctly. Because nobody wants to go back later and have an issue, which I've had multiple times with families. So, um, so that kind of that that gives a lot of good information about folks when they're deciding. Obviously, I highly recommend getting a trust and putting everything within that trust so that they don't have to go through probate, because it is very expensive, and then you're basically relying on a court to tell you who gets what who's going to maintain the distribution of it who's going to be the one responsible for cleaning out the house putting up the house on the market and there's all the all everything that goes involved with all of that as well
1: right yeah it's more streamlined but i tell clients you know we'll help you on the back end too
0: (laughs) yeah if if you
1: don't want to do it we'll certainly do the probate it's not the end of the world right if you have to go through the probate process. You're just more likely to get fights, I right. think, because you're in court and people start showing up saying, "Wait a second, I don't think you did this right," and right. now they have. There's already a case open, right? And they can so just they go have to in listen to everybody, right? Yeah. Whereas a trust, somebody would have to actually file a lawsuit to, right. to do anything. So right. anyway, it's it's it, pros and cons to both. You know, we recommend yeah. a trust, but uh, right. certainly we help a lot of clients. Um, through the probate process. Right.
0: I recently had a situation um, where we had to go through a kind of a smaller probate as well, where the couple owned a home, bought it from a gentleman, um, but they didn't go through title. And so they ended up going through an out of state attorney who put the deed together, found out we were trying to sell the home. This just closed about a month ago. We were trying to sell the home. And during our, 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 title search, we found that the deed wasn't done correctly. So we ended up trying to find the gentleman who had since then passed. And his wife had, um, at that at the time he passed, he had a wife. Now, at the time he was selling the property, he was not married. So we ended up with a situation where we um, found out with his trust, he had... Um, the pour over will or some sort of verbiage within that will where it said if there was anything undone that mm-hmm. hadn't been done that she was the one responsible to to maintain everything. So we had to go back to that attorney and have paperwork signed. It had to go through like a mini. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily, I don't know if you would call it a probate, but it was more like an um, affidavit of transfer. So it took us... Two or three more weeks to actually s- close on the home, um, that could have been avoided had had they well first off had they used an Arizona attorney to do the deed correctly first, right. um, but secondly if they had if they had gone through title a title. Um, Uh, search in the beginning and gone through. They didn't necessarily have to go through a real estate agent because they were probably, it was a for sale by owner. So they were probably Mm -hmm. trying to eliminate the commissions and some of the fees that go along with that. But um, it was just an interesting situation because it wasn't done right. And that was like nine years ago. And then we had to quickly, because we had a buyer that really wanted the house. And so we had to go through that situation.
1: You know, you bring up a good point with, if you have real estate in different states, mm-hmm. if it's not all in Arizona, for example, okay. you really need a trust. Right. So let's say somebody's got property in Arizona. They've got it in Florida. They've got something in California. Mm-hmm. They, you know, let's say they've got five different properties. Okay. And they don't have a trust. You're going to open probate in Arizona, assuming the person died here. Okay. And then you're going to have to go open probate in each one of those other states. Mm. So you just multiplied your attorney's fees by five. Yes. Because you decided to do a probate, I mean, a, a will instead of a trust. Okay. Whereas a trust, you can deed the properties in all of those states to the trustee, to the trust. And then when the trustee steps in, they automatically control all, all those properties. properties and okay. you don't need to go into court in each one of those states. Right. So you know that's something to be aware of if if you or your parents or whoever has property out of state right. you know getting a trust is definitely the way to go otherwise you're just multiplying the attorney's fees.
0: Absolutely and I see that a lot with um, with our winter visitors when they mm-hmm. wherever they're coming from they have a trust there then they'll buy a property here just for wintering it starts out they're here two or three months. Then eventually they come here full time and they forget to put the property that they bought here in their trust wherever it is. And right. same thing. it's They have to do the probate here because they're usually back there. So,
1: And that's had, what you need to do with clients. And we send out reminders. Like once yeah. a year we'll send something to our clients to remind them if you've acquired anything over the last year, you yeah. really need to put it in the trust. Because sometimes they forget. They, yep. they set it up once and they think, well, I'm good. I have a trust. Yep. And then two years, years later, the time. <laughs> they buy property and then they buy a condo over here and they don't realize, wait a second, I need to put that in the trust. And yeah. so now you've got a trust and now you're going to have to probate as well, right. even though you've got a trust. So right.
0: it, and I actually, I've usually when I sell a property here in Arizona, I will tell them, do you have a trust? Um, right. And I used to just I used to just kind of, if they said, oh, yeah, I have a trust, I wouldn't say anything further. But now I'm reminding them, okay, make sure you put this property in that trust. Or if they don't have a trust, I always give them different um, names of attorneys that can do that. Because I don't think that people don't ever think that it's – first off, they don't do trust because it's one of those mindless things that they think, oh, I'll do it later, I'll do it later, I'll do it later until it's too late. And, and they don't ever think that they're going to pass away or they don't really think about all the consequences that comes with having to go through that type of situation. Right. So having a trust, getting an estate plan put together really is the the best thing, especially here in Arizona, because we are one of the few states that has the medical, um, the, what do you call it, the, um, what's that? We have medical there's medical power of attorneys within the trust, Oh, like but the, living the will, yeah, but also the, the beh- power of attorney, the um, the uh, mental health initiative okay. here because not all states have that. I know that yeah. so so well, something we
1: put together in with in connection with a will and a trust is a durable power of attorney, mm-hmm. so that if anybody becomes incapacitated, you know, if they get dementia or if they're in a car accident, they're right. in a coma. There's all these different situations where somebody might not be able to really make decisions. make decisions. Yeah. And if you know if they sign a power of attorney, a durable power of attorney, then that process is easy. Yeah. You just need to get the doctor to declare that they are not able to do that. Right. And you can start, you know, you're up and running. Yeah. But if you don't have that, it's a simple document to prepare. Yeah. If you don't have it, then you're in court and you're trying to get somebody appointed and you're Yeah. You know, it's and I always,
0: I always tell parents too, because I, I did this with my two older daughters, because one daughter just went off to college. Once their kids turn eighteen, they really should have that document, because what if they're in a car accident and they're in a coma now nine times out of 10, the parents are going to make those decisions. But what if it's a right. situation where they're they're uh, they have a fam, they have a, hus- a mom and a dad that are separated and mm-hmm. one has one idea of one thing and the other one has a different yeah. idea. So even getting those uh, medical power of attorneys done for your kids, when they go off to college, people don't think about those things. And, that's probably really important when they're, when you're part of your planning for college is to make sure you have those in, in place. Yeah.
1: And you've probably heard of the sort of a famous case, I think it was in Florida, where the lady was uh, in a coma and just stayed there. And, you know, they get to the point where the doctors are saying, I just don't think she's ever going to yeah. recover. But she's on life support. And one family member thinks they need to. Pull the plug, you know, terminate and just be done. Right. And another family member says, no, we're not going to do it. It got in the courts because one said one thing, one said the other. Now they're in a court battle. And it went on for years. And this poor person was on life support during this whole time, not able to function, not able to do anything while the family was fighting. Yeah. And, you know, you can just avoid all of that with a very simple document.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's what
1: we're telling clients, just... Do these simple things so that you don't have to be one of these news stories and, you know, have it destroy your family.
0: Real really important. Well, Adam, thank you so much. Just a wealth of information. So, we're going to have you come back cuz I know we we didn't we just touched on a few things and there's a lot of other things that you and I need to talk about to the the audience. So, if someone does have questions either real estate related and or uh, probate or trust related, they can reach you at the 602-606-9300, correct?
1: Yeah, that's our main line at okay. the law firm.
0: Okay. And um, thank you so much, Adam, for coming. I really appreciate it. it. And uh, we'll see you next time.